welcome back, Rosebuds, for another volume of Ghost Tales to Tell in the Dark. Especially welcome new listeners. If you are new, we tell tales of ghosts and the paranormal that are based on real experiences or complete fiction. As you listen, try to figure out which are which, and I'll do the full reveal at the end. Alright, on to story number one. The McDonald Town Murderer's Ghost by Dzi TV. Let me start off by saying I don't believe in the paranormal. I'm a skeptical person and believe there's a scientific reason for any ghostly interaction, such as this story I'll be telling. That being said, there are coincidences here that have been quite difficult for me to debunk, and so I'd like to share it with the internet. I'm an adult male living in Sydney, Australia. When I turned 21, I decided to move out of my family home. A co-worker of mine was also relocating and offered his room to me. It was a shared house in Redfern, an inner-city suburb around notable areas such as Erkinsville, Newtown, and a capitulated, for lack of a better term, suburb known as McDonaldtown. My colleague helped me with the move. My new home was this grungy, old Victorian-style house filled to the brim with dark paintings one of my housemates created. There were copious amounts of spiders and bugs crawling around. Sometimes you would hear rats scratching at the walls, and most notably, the air was so thick with smoke that it was hard to breathe. My housemates were nice, and it was super cheap living, until they raised the rent a month later. Regardless, during the move, my friend remarked that I should beware of the ghost. Assuming he was joking, I laughed it off and poked fun at him about it. He explained, the ghost used to live here in the room you're taking way back in the late 1800s, early 1900s or something. He won't harm you, but he likes to watch. Being a little creeped out at the thought, I laughed again, asking why this so-called ghost would just watch. According to my colleague, he was a baby killer, and the babies were still stuck in the plumbing, and that he's admiring his work. I dropped the topic, assuming he was just f***ing around with me. I never thought about it again until three months later. For context, as this was my first time living with people I'd never met, I was quite paranoid. It took me a long while to warm up to the housemates, and as a result, I absolutely always locked my door. It was non-negotiable whether I was in the room or not. The door and window were always closed and locked. So when I woke up one night noticing that my door was slightly ajar, I panicked. I remember I was quite dazed and confused, but when I noticed the door was open, I felt a horrible sensation. I began to think I was being robbed, and I couldn't move out of fear. I couldn't see much of anything for a while and didn't feel any other presence in my room, so I started to think I'd forgotten to close the door. I definitely remember shutting and locking it. About five minutes passed, and I noticed a silhouette in the door opening. It was dark, but my eyes had finally adjusted, and I could see a face. I called out to it fairly loudly, asking, Tim, is that you? 
Tim, being the housemate in the room closest to me, no response. What felt like another five to ten minutes passed, and the whole while I was stuck in a trance-like state. What I've discovered to be sleep paralysis. This entire time, I was staring at the silhouette, and it hadn't budged. I could finally make out the person's face. It was an old man. He had a thick mustache and was just staring back at me, softly smiling. It was terrifying, but the next thing I know, I'm awake, with light shining into my eyes. It's about 10 a.m. and I'd slept in. I supposed to myself that it was just a horrible dream and that my brain was playing tricks on me. I rolled onto my side and immediately I felt that same horrible sensation as if my stomach had dropped. Looking towards the door, it was open, the same way as in this dream I'd convinced myself of. For years, that was the end of this story, but in December 2020, I decided to tell this on my live stream. I was explaining that it was likely just a dream, and there's always a reason. Upon hearing my story, one of my viewers asked, You're not talking about the McDonaldtown murderers, are you? I inquired what that was, and she explained that it was something to do with an old couple who used to kill babies, shoving the carcasses into the plumbing. She took a minute and sent me an article where a picture of an elderly couple was displayed. The man's face was exactly as I remembered it. To summarize, the article explains the story of Sarah and John Macon, who would baby farm the act of raising children for unwed mothers, raising them for a fee. They'd kill the babies for an incredible profit, hide the bodies in places like pipes of rental properties, and then move through various suburbs in the area I was living in. I grew up in a funeral home by Patty Alstead. Yes, as the title of the story indicates, that's what this post is going to be all about, my paranormal experiences living in a funeral home. I was a kid of the 80s and 90s, which is an important detail for later on. My family has lived in Illinois for generations. When I was about seven, my uncle was supposed to inherit the family funeral home from his father. My grandfather wanted to make his youngest son, my uncle, his protege. There was some mishap and disagreements I never really got the full story to, and my uncle backed out at the last minute. My grandparents were getting too old to run the place and wanted to retire very quickly. The home had been in the family for close to a hundred years, and they didn't really want to sell it, so my dad, who was the eldest, ended up being the guy who took over. There was a full and spacious apartment with three bedrooms above the home, and my grandparents had rented this to their night manager so my father hadn't grown up living there. At the time, we'd actually been living in Wisconsin due to my father's other profession, and we had to move back to Illinois. My dad was a pragmatist and didn't believe in ghosts, so he didn't find it odd to live in this apartment for the first five years while he and mom were learning the ropes of taking over the business. He felt it would help them save money for a down payment on a house. The first encounter I had was with this ghost that would become a regular in my life. I had the ability to see and hear spirits. I don't know if the rest of my family did, and I never shared it with them. 
Knowing how staunch my father was about his beliefs, I suppose I understood even early on that talking about my experiences would lend me no sympathy. I did see a lot of spirits over the years. Often it was the ghosts of those sticking around to offer comfort to loved ones. They'd not stay much more than a few days. I did have some encounters with darker entities, and I'll get to the worst of those encounters later on in this story. Anyway, for further context, I was about seven when we moved in, and my brother was 11. The school bus let my brother and I off at the corner just down the street from the funeral home. If we were approaching the property, we had to walk by the front entrance and through the parking lot to get to the back stairs that gave us access to the upstairs back door. The other way to get into the apartment was through my father's office inside the funeral home. Us kids and my parents preferred to go around to the back even though it was a longer route. This being for obvious reasons that if a funeral were taking place, us kids dressed in our regular street clothes from school wouldn't disturb any ceremonies taking place. A few days after school started, I was trailing behind my brother and we were headed towards the back door. I saw a woman standing right in front of the entrance to the funeral parlor. I didn't think much of it. I thought her dress was pretty, but it looked a little old-fashioned. However, being seven, it didn't occur to me that this was odd. Just maybe that she liked to wear older-looking clothes. I dismissed seeing her entirely and went about my afternoon as normal. Then, the next day, I saw her again. She was just standing there smiling at me, and I walked by without saying anything. Then, the next day, she was there again, and I started to think, at this point, this is weird. She was wearing the same dress for three days, standing in the same place, and this time she waved to me. So I stopped and waved back. I was walking slower and eventually stopped to really look at this woman. She looked like a real person. It didn't actually register that she might be a spirit. I thought she would say something, so I just kept waving and smiling. I guess my brother noticed when he got to the stairs that I wasn't behind him. He came back and asked me, who are you waving to? This was when I realized that the woman was a ghost. I looked at her and she was there in front of me plain as day. I looked to my brother and he obviously didn't see who I was seeing, so I dropped my hand and quickly followed him inside. The woman was always around me when I was on the property downstairs. I only saw her once in the living quarters upstairs. I had a really bad nightmare one night. I was trapped in this pit and there were these monsters with glowing red eyes that were circling it above. I woke up in a cold sweat and was almost crying because it felt so real. Then I saw her sitting on the edge of my bed smoothing my hair. I only vaguely registered it was her, but I suddenly felt a sense of peace wash over me, so I went back to sleep. In the morning, I remembered her being there and wondered if it was part of a dream, just a good dream instead of a nightmare. The woman never spoke to me, but she was always kind, always smiling and waving at me, so I never felt like it was odd, although it was my little secret and I didn't tell anyone in my family about it. Because this was during the early 80s, my brother used to sneak into our TV room and watch the show Three's Company. 
It wasn't really a kid's show, but sometimes if our parents were really busy with work, we'd both get away with watching it. I always liked the character Janet, and because my friendly resident ghost was sort of shorter and had long dark hair like Janet on Three's Company, I started calling my ghosty friend Janet. She didn't seem to mind. I remember this one incident very vividly. I was older now, probably about nine, and my father needed me to do a quick errand for him. His office on the ground floor level had a window that faced this little area in the backyard that was like a play area for us kids. I was back there playing with my dolls, having a little picnic, when he opened the window and asked me to do him a favor. I said, sure, Dad, but then felt my heart sink when he told me that I had to go into the embalming room to retrieve something for him. There weren't any bodies in there at that time, or he wouldn't have asked me to run the errand. He left something on his desk in that room. I think it was a file folder or something. I didn't like going down there into the basement area. It had good lighting, but it always felt dark, cold, and ominous, so if I could avoid it, I did. I went down the stairs into the room straight to his desk, snatched the folder, then suddenly I felt a sense of irrational dread. I turned around and was about to run, But there, by the embalming table, blocking my direct path to the door, was a dark entity. It was a man with hollowed-out eyes, and his aura, for lack of a better term, was extremely dark. Not like Janet's, where she always seemed to have a light glow of warmness around her. I was frozen in fear, and didn't want to pass by this man. Even if I tried to circumnavigate him, the room was small and it would have required getting within three feet of him, which was far too close for my comfort. I closed my eyes and tried to will this dark entity away. Then, suddenly, I felt a warm, comforting peace sort of envelop me. I opened my eyes, and Janet was there. Her back was to me, and she was facing the dark ghost. They both stood there for what seemed like a long time in this non-verbal standoff, Then the bad entity disappeared. She turned and smiled. She walked with me all the way up to my father's office and then disappeared. Now, I realize this story probably seems really strange as it is, but it's about to get weirder. Remember this mortuary was family-owned for over a hundred years, and my immediate family only lived there for about five or six. Eventually, mom and dad bought a house, and I stopped seeing Janet very much after that. Unless I had to visit the home for errands for my father, I'd catch glimpses of her now and then, but the older I got, it waned. Then, when I was an adult, I stopped seeing her or any other entities hardly ever. Fast forward to present day, and I haven't thought about these memories for a long time. That is until my father passed away, and we had to move my mother into an assisted retirement facility. She wasn't senile or anything, but had some health issues, and it was just easier for her to live in that sort of community. Neither my brother or I wanted to take over the family business, and sadly, it was sold to another family. But last I heard, it's still a thriving part of the community, and they do a great job carrying the family name on with the business. 
As my brother and I were cleaning out the house and going through the attic, I found a box with really old family photos in it. I was sorting through it when my heart stopped as I was looking at a picture of none other than Janet herself. I asked my mother about it and she said, Oh, yes, that was my grandmother when she was younger. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Her name was Maud, and the picture was of her and my great-grandfather on their wedding day. She looked to be about 20 or 25 years old, and it was the same exact woman I had seen all those years that we'd lived in the funeral home. I got some information about her, and it turns out that her parents had started the funeral home. They'd lived in the small Illinois town for years. Her ancestors, my ancestors, helped found the town. I started thinking back to the two incidents in particular where Janet, or I should say Maud, was there for me. There was the nightmare and the dark entity in the embalming room. I began to form a theory about this. Obviously, she had a special connection to me because she was my great-grandmother. I think she was also rooted to that business because her and her husband had taken care of the funeral home for their entire lives. But I believe she was especially partial to me because of my sensitivity to spirits. And it made me wonder if she could see spirits too when she was running the home. I feel she was a guardian angel of sorts. I get chills writing this and wish I could see her again. As I've gotten older... My ability to see spirits is nearly non-existent now. However, the whole situation brings up so many more questions than I'll ever get answers to. I guess, not until I cross over and meet Maud herself will I have my curiosities satisfied. How I Went From Skeptic to Believer by Westshop2783 in the past, I was quite the skeptic when it came to the paranormal. I wasn't one of those jerk skeptics who would tell people to grow up or ridicule them. I enjoyed listening to ghost stories. Some were more believable than others. For instance, I found the ones where people saw, heard, and felt things more believable than stories in which people were badly hurt, killed, or property damage was done. I always took these stories with a grain of salt. I've had experiences, but I just took them to mean it was me being paranoid, either because I was a kid or due to losing someone close. In other words, I had paranormal occurrences in my life, but didn't really give them credence. For example, the very first strange thing I experienced was when I was about six years old. I was at my babysitter's house, and one day I was walking down a hall. The door to the restroom was wide open. I looked inside and everything was fine. I went back to walking and then heard a noise. When I went back to the restroom, I saw a drawer had opened. It was unlikely it was the wind or anything like that. I ran back to the living room and brushed it off as I went back to playing. When I was 11 years old, I had this constant feeling that there was someone in the apartment my family and I lived in. During the morning and afternoon, I would be distracted with schoolwork, family, friends, TV, etc. Though once night came, the distractions and noises would dwindle, allowing me to focus and notice the more subtle things. Whenever I was alone, 
I always felt like I could kind of see there was this person in a white robe roaming the halls at night. One day when I was alone, the feeling was so intense, I actually stayed outside on a cold November night for two hours until my family came back. I don't know if it was my eyes playing tricks on me, but from the porch, I was able to see into the window and saw the curtains moving as if someone walked past them. I got that feeling once more, but there were also times of feeling as if it was not the entity in a robe, but it felt like there was a man lurking around. It happened earlier this year, my grandpa had passed away, and my family went to Mexico for the funeral. I had to stay home for the two weeks they were gone, due to being in college. I was paranoid. I would stay awake all night in the living room with all the lights on. I constantly had this feeling that there was a man wandering from room to room, and I would think I heard doors creak open and closed. In the morning when the noise of people filled the air, I would check the rooms and find nothing amiss. This is why I was given to always think it was just my overactive imagination. Maybe there wasn't anything really there. Then something happened where I went from skeptic to believer. I had no explanation, and I couldn't pass it off as a trick of the mind. In 2020, I took a year off due to an error with my transfer at school. I decided to work instead and got a chill job as a janitor. I enjoyed my time there. I had to clean four clinics with a three-person crew. Each clinic was about 30 to 40 minutes apart. The only problem was that people I worked with at the time were not reliable. Two times I had to clean all four clinics on my own because multiple people did not show up for work. My first strange experience in this job happened at what we'll call Clinic C. It was located near this creepy alley and in a small town where the normal daily activities die at night. While cleaning, I constantly heard a dripping noise. I went to the sink thinking rationally it was making the noise. I looked under for a leak nothing. I stayed for a while and tried to pinpoint where the sound was coming from. Again, I turned up nothing. I shrugged and went back to cleaning, and then, when I left the room where the noise was coming from, it started again. My final experience happened on a Thursday, a day before my last day there. It was the biggest clinic, Clinic D. It had both clinical and dental services. There were already rumors about how the nurses would hear things. They said they could hear a lady scream, and one day I closed a door to a restroom and realized it made a loud shriek whenever you closed it, so I assumed that was the noise they kept hearing. Another day they said they would hear a loud clatter. I knew the doctor had a silver tray to put his tools on. One of the legs holding up the tray was flimsy, and it would constantly fall, so I assumed that was the noise they heard. As me and my co-workers were finishing up, we were waiting for the final co-worker to finish mopping. We were in the large lobby that connected to the dental lobby. There's a glass door in the lobby that lets you see directly down a vertical hall to a horizontal hall that leads to patient rooms, a lab, and to the dental area. The floor was wet and most of the lights were off. My coworker asked me something and I looked at her and responded. 
Then I looked back at the hall and I saw a pair of legs walk past towards the lab into the dental area. I called out to the co-worker who was mopping. We all know not to walk on the wet floor, but she may have forgotten. Except when she answered me, she was behind me already, finishing up mopping the entrance to the lobby. I was feeling puzzled and went out to the left of the lobby, down the horizontal hall where I saw the legs walking. I looked down the hall and saw no footprints on the floor. Because of the floor still being wet, there should have been footprints there. The pair of legs I'd seen had on the same shoes that scrubs and nurses wear. I inspected a little further and the building was empty except for my co-workers. I asked my two co-workers and they both said they heard nothing and hadn't seen anyone. I told my mom when I got home about what happened and she had a theory. She said that since a lot of people go to the clinic, it's possible that some of them may have good or bad entities following them. That spirits may have somehow gotten attached to the place and stayed behind. She could see I was shaken by this experience and tried to cheer me up. For the moment, it worked and I acted like I wasn't affected by it. But in reality, to this day, I know what I saw. It caused my brain to go back and think about the screaming woman sound, the tray sound falling, even when no tray had fallen, and all the experiences over my lifetime. I'm starting to believe that it was more than likely not just my imagination. So before I do our reveal, let me ask, which story do you think is the fake? Leave us a thumbs up if you like our content and drop a comment about which story you think is complete fiction or which one was your favorite and least favorite. Also, if you prefer to save on data, know that we are also a podcast on all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple, and Google, so check us out there if you prefer that. All right, on to our reveal. Story number one, The McDonald Town Murders, was based on a true experience. This one is a double true story. I was crazy shocked to learn about John Macon and that horrific story. It sounded so much like fiction, but this one is based in truth, Rosebuds. Thank you so much, TV, who is also a YouTuber, for allowing us to share your experience here. TV has a retelling of this story live, and his reaction to the article sent to him by one of his viewers about John Macon. So I linked the article that was in his story, as well as if you want to research more about John Macon, and also the TV channel. Reading this account gave me chills. Thank you again for letting us read about your encounter here, so go check him out, guys. Story number two, I Grew Up in a Funeral Home by Patty Alstead, was our fictional story. This story was actually written by me, and I used a fake pen name as well. It's actually easier to find real-life ghost encounters than fictionalized ones at the moment, so I hope you don't mind the creative mind of yours truly on occasion. I hope you enjoy listening to this story as much as I enjoyed writing it. That brings us to story number three, How I Went From Skeptic to Believer by WestShop2783, and this one was based on a true story. 
thank you so much for letting us read about your experience. I can't imagine how scary that was. Well, my rosebuds, that's a wrap. Until next time, take care and stay creepy.